Hello, Patriots. Welcome back to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. Bringing you insight from outside the mainstream, I am your host, Ryan. Today, we'll talk about the RNC needing a leadership change. I answer the question of whether I'm a rhino or not. And we have Volodymyr Zelensky being named Time Person of the Year. Next, I'm Living with Liberty. happens when there's a complete failure in meeting expectations. Well, any of us that have worked in the corporate world know that eventually it ends up with firings, especially if it's bad enough. Now, it might take a little bit of time to get fired. It might be an immediate, but eventually when you fail to meet expectations, you get fired. You get removed from your role. So as I'm looking at the landscape of things politically, especially within the Republican Party, and uh, Taking into account now what happened in Georgia after that fake pastor was elected as their senator, new leadership is definitely needed at the top of the GOP. Now, what should have been a slam dunk route of the Democrats in this midterm with healthy majorities in the House, and I'd say at worst a 50-50 Senate, turned into a slight House majority and a loss of the Senate because the GOP couldn't message well enough to beat out a brain-dead radical and a fake pastor. The GOP needs to do something different, and that must include moving on from the current leadership at the RNC. Now, I've covered previously things the GOP needs to do from a voter engagement perspective, hit the ground more, do more doors, have better messaging, etc. Now we've got to look at the top. We've got to look at leadership. And leadership is the ones, or are the ones, I should say, who must bear the responsibility for this failure at this point. Now, we've had so many opportunities that were just blown here in this, this midterm. And it's not just this midterm. You go back to when Ronna McDaniel was appointed chair of the RNC. Think of all the things we've lost uh, from an from a, uh, office perspective since she was appointed chair of the RNC. We lost the 2018 midterms. We lost the 2020 presidency. We lost now, or I shouldn't say we lost. We, we made some gains, but we didn't make as big of gains as we should have in this 2022 midterm. And as we go forward and the way things look right now, I don't have a lot of confidence for 2024. I just don't. The messaging needs to change. Someone needs to tell Trump. Someone has to rise up and say enough with the uh with with the stolen election narrative enough with this crap about you being you know put back in the presidency because now all of a sudden you know we have this documentation from Twitter that they did basically interfere in the election right basically they did and we'll cover more of this later on why we need to stop this narrative and move on but that that's part of the problem and that starts at the top. That starts with the leadership of the RNC, who is supposed to be the ones that say, hey, here's our message as a party. They are the top level of the party. Yes, it filters down to state and county parties, but at the end of the day, it's like a big corporation. They are the ones that need to set the goals, the directives, and here's our message going forward. It's a winning message. Let's go. And they didn't. They failed at that. And for that, 
Ronald McDaniel and whoever else at the top of the RNC needs to be fired. There was a golden opportunity here. There's a political shift underway in this country to conservative values, to more sane values, right? But the size and duration of that shift will be dependent on the GOP getting out of its own way. And it starts fighting with both hands instead of one hand tied behind our back because of some sort of principle. It starts with leadership saying, hey, let's figure out how we do a ballot harvesting operation. Let's figure out how we do what the Democrats have been doing to us for years that we found so unethical we wouldn't engage in the rules. The rules are the rules. Play by whatever rules are set. They may not be ethical. We've covered that before. Do I agree with the rules? Do I agree with ballot harvesting? Do I agree with three months of early voting? No, it's ridiculous. But those are the rules. Figure it out. That starts with having fresh ideas and new leadership at the top and filtering that down to say, we are going to do this. And then that means that conservatives and particularly Republicans need to get their noses out of their butts and figure out that these are the rules we need to play by and then play by them. Period. Government and political entities are the only places where you can fail upward. They just are. Right? Think about everybody that's in government. Think about the resident. The, the guy failed upward. The, he's a disgrace. He's a just a disgusting corruptocrat. So somehow he managed to fail upward. It's the same thing at the top of these political parties. These people fail upward. It's the only place you can fail upward. You try and fail upward in a company. It's very, very hard. Some people do. Yeah, I get it. There's exceptions. But by and large, you fail in, in your job in a corporation, you get fired. You don't fail upward. They don't just move you along. Government's the only place you can do that. So we got to start at the top. Ronna McDaniel needs to go. It's time for new leadership to head up the RNC. With all that is wrong in our country and continues to go wrong in our country, the GOP had the golden opportunity to seize the messaging battle. They had a winning message. Crime. Crimes affecting people, the economy, inflation affecting people, high energy prices affecting people. And they had a golden opportunity to show how good, common sense, conservative, reasonable principles can right the ship in America. But they failed. By and large, they failed. Yes, we, I get it. We, save it. I uh, Honestly, save it. You can say all day that, yeah, well, we made a gains in the house and save it. It should have been more. If you're being honest, if you're being intellectually honest, it should have been more. And if you're being intellectually honest, you know that there were a lot of Trump candidates who failed. What does that tell you? That that backward-looking message of stolen elections doesn't work. Now, Bonchi at Red State notes the list of failures during the Ronald McDaniel era as head of the RNC, and she writes them as this. She says... Ronna McDaniel has been an unmitigated disaster as RNC chair, and it's astonishing she hasn't resigned in disgrace. You would have thought so, but eh, these are political people. They have no principle once they get in a position of power. Since she's taken over, Republicans have gotten mowed down in the blue wave of 2018, lost the White House and the Senate in 2020, and squandered perhaps the best electoral environment in decades in 2022, only barely taking the House of Representatives in what should have been a red wave year. Yes, it should have. 
She continues, to add insult to injury, Ronna McDaniel then made the media rounds bragging about how great she and the party did when it was obvious to anyone with a pulse how huge of a screw-up the election was. Someone who is willing to gaslight their own voters like that has no business being anywhere near power. Whatever qualities she possessed when Donald Trump handpicked her for the RNC chair, they haven't led to electoral wins. At some point, putting skins on the wall matters, and doing the same thing over and over while continuing to lose is the definition of insanity spot on. Politics is the very definition of insanity. We keep electing the same corruptocrats to higher and higher offices, expecting different results when they get there, and then we are shocked when we get the same old crap. The same thing within the political parties. We have these people that have hung on forever, that have done and said the right things through the party, failed upwards, and then they get to the top level, and then we get the same crap. They fail. They fail. We had a midterm cycle in which we had a historically unpopular president. We had the polling that indicated at times upwards of 75% of Americans thought the country was on the wrong track. And the long-term trend of the party in the White House seeing losses across the board when it came to midterm elections. And the very best the GOP could do as a six-seat majority in the House and to lose the Senate. To, to, to lose it to from the 50-50 split it was to now Democrats with a slim majority? I just imagine here, this is what goes through my mind sometimes. I just imagine Ronna McDaniel, she's, she's in front of Rick from Pawn Stars at the pawn shop here. She says, she, she, she's laying all this out. She says, yeah, I've got all this. We've got a historically unpopular president. We've got crime. We've got uh, inflation. We've got just ridiculous woke ideology permeating our culture. She asks, you know, what can I get for this? And the best, it's the best. It's Rick from Pawn Stars is like this. He's like, yeah, the best I can do is, is have you lose a Senate and a slim majority in the House. And then she just nods and takes it. She, she doesn't even fight back. She says, oh, okay, that's fine. And then I'm since that's what I took, I'm going to go on all the media outlets and say how great it was. She's ridiculous. She needs to go. That is a definition of failure. The fact that the GOP couldn't close a deal against a brain-damaged candidate and a racist, grifting pastor is telling about the leadership of the RNC, or I should say the lack thereof. At the end of the day, performance in your job matters, and McDaniel has not gotten things done. We just listed out her lack of accomplishments at the top of the GOP. At the end of the day, that's got to matter. What have you done for me lately? It's, uh, politics should be no different than business. If you're not winning elections, if you're not putting out the right message that's winning elections for your side, you got to go. And Ronna McDaniel has not gotten things done. She needs to go. Now, I'm glad I, uh, to see Harmeet Dillon has thrown her hat into the ring for RNC chair. She's, I think she's fantastic. She's a solid constitutional uh, conservative, and she's the one we need running the RNC, quite honestly. She's someone like her. She, she needs to be running the RNC. She'll bring fresh outsider ideas to the party, and by all accounts, she appears to have a vision and direction for the party. I'm super impressed anytime she's on Tucker or some other media outlet. I mean, she's, she's sharp, she's bright, she's got great ideas. And, and the biggest thing, I think, the biggest thing of all here 
is she would make liberal heads explode as a conservative immigrant woman of color, plus whatever other boxes of theirs she might check. So she'd be the, uh, given, I, I mean, not that it matters what she looks like. Obviously not. We don't care about that here. I mean, her ideas, her ideology, top notch, she's the one that should be running the RNC. I'm just saying that more because I think it'll be funny to watch the liberals melt down because you have a conservative woman, immigrant of color, or whatever they want to call her, and, and you know, whatever other, again, whatever other check boxes of the woke, wokeitarians she checks. Uh, I think that'd be fabulous to watch that, that meltdown occur. So, I mean, you grab your popcorn, I guess. Now, if the GOP is really serious about winning elections, sometimes I doubt that. Right, I doubt that they're actually serious people. Some of them are. There's a lot of good conservatives out there that, and I'll say this: I'll say conservatives that are Republicans. They're not Republicans. They're conservatives who are in the Republican Party because of what it offers from a structural uh, standpoint in terms of running elections and getting money. That that's that's why. Let's be honest. That's why they're Republicans. Now, if the GOP is really serious about winning elections and standing for the cause of conservative conservatism. It's time to move on from the likes of Ronna McDaniel and anyone else at the top of the RNC with swamp ties and move on to someone like Harmeet Dillon, who truly has a handle on what the feeling among the voters truly is. If you're listening to the audio-only show and your platform allows for reviews, please give us a five-star rating. It helps others find the show. Whether you are listening to the audio version or viewing on Rumble or YouTube, hit the Rumble or Thumbs Up button. The more interactions we have, the more the show gets into the recommendations made by the algorithms and the more we are able to spread the truth. All right, moving on. Are you a rhino? Yes, that is a serious question. I'll ask it again. Are you a rhino? Now, I've thought about this off and on over the past year, asking myself if it really is that derogatory of a term after all. I mean, look at the way the GOP acts. It really depending on what your feelings are, is it really that derogatory of a term? I mean, I don't shit at this point. If you don't call me a rhino, I don't care, whatever. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. Now, to be honest, well, I guess I'll be right now. To be honest, if someone called me a rhino, I'd probably answer yes. So would Mike Miller at Red State. I have an article here by him titled, Turns Out I'm a Rhino After All. It's a great a great article outlining rhinoism and how it's morphed into mean morphed in its meaning over the years. And as always, I'll link, link this uh, article in a description box so you can check it out. Miller points out in his article how today's Democrat Party is not the one of JFK. Yeah, that's kind of a Captain Obvious statement there, especially those of you that are that are older and kind of remember those days. Uh, and conversely, though he mentions this, conversely, today's GOP is not the one of Reagan. Again, absolutely it's not. It's moved way to the left of what Reagan had it, and it wasn't as far, you know, as, uh, and, and even in that day, I guess is the best way to put it here, even in that day, it wasn't as far right as Reagan had wanted it. You know, he moderated a bit, but that's what you do. You know, you stand on... What, what principles are non-negotiables? You stand on those and you moderate on the rest. And I think Reagan was very good at that. Today's Republican Party is by and large not a constitutional conservative party. Yes, they, they spout many of the right things to get elected, how it's, we value the Constitution, we, you know, we're conservatives. But when it comes to 
then to the possibility of the Washington Post writing something bad about them. They vote with Democrats just to avoid the negative press, or they soften their stance. They compromise their principles. That should be a non-negotiable, a non-negotiable principle to avoid the negative press. How many of them voted to send money to the laundromat and over in Ukraine many times? Right. That, it, it, they, they campaign on fiscal conservatism, and then they send money to a, a war we have no business being, being in, to, to a country that has no strategic value to us outside of it's a laundromat for the elites. So I, I don't want to hear about the Republican Party. We're conservatives. We conservative. You're not. You're not. That's why I say evaluate candidates. If we did away with par, par, uh, political parties tomorrow, I wouldn't be sad. Do away with them. Make these, these jokers stand on their principles. And then we have to, to, if they don't, we have to vote them out. We have to get out of this cycle of, oh, well, I recognize the name. They aren't that bad. I'll vote for them. No, get out of the cycle. If they aren't doing what they said they're going to do, get them out of office. Tired of this. Now, Reagan was a constitutional conservative first and a Republican last. That, that's where I'm at. The only reason I vote Republican these days now, uh, I guess forever, is because they sometimes do conservative things. You can't, the Democrats aren't going to do it. Republicans, some of you, you can rely on them to do some of them. That, that's the only reason. So I'm a, if there was a, tomorrow, if there was a constitutional conservative running against a Republican, I'm, I'm voting for the constitutional conservative. I don't care if they're independent, libertarian, Democrat, whatever. You espouse the values of, of constitutional conservatism, then you'll have my vote. The Republicans are a joke when it comes to that. They're just as bad. And let's look at Trump for a second here, too. And this will probably make some people mad, but I don't care at this point. The guy's obviously gone off the rails. Let's be real. He better turn it around. He better get on message, or he's not going to be anywhere near the top three in 2024, the Republican primary. Let's just be honest right now. He needs to change it quick. But... uh, uh, Thinking about this constitutional conservatism, you can't even say that about Trump. Let's be real. You cannot say that about Trump. Yes, he he did some things about, uh, he did some things to protect the Constitution, border wall, protecting our borders. Yes, I get that. So in that respect, sure. You know, it, it says in the Constitution, the federal government's, one of their jobs is to prevent invasion, to protect us from invasion from foreign uh, foreign invaders. And the Biden administration has, and it doesn't say they have to be armed foreign invaders. That's the whole thing. It doesn't specify that it's a, a, a warring army coming across our borders. Invasion's invasion. Whether it's, it's an army or it's illegal immigrants, it's an invasion. So from that respect, yes, Trump did that, but Trump was a big spender. He did not shrink the government. Okay, he did not, a constitutional conservative wants to shrink the government, wants to put the government back in its original box that the founders intended when they wrote the Constitution. Trump did not do that. He was a big spender. Trump loves spending other people's money, just like every other politician. How do you think Trump built his empire? He spent other people's money. Why do you think he went bankrupt a couple of times? Because he ran out of other people's money. 
That's how he built his wealth and empire. I'm not knocking it, but you think about it, that's how he did. He loved spending other people's money. So he didn't do anything to shrink the size of government. Now, some of you out there will be like, well, yeah, if you look at the end of his, his presidency, it was COVID. I get that. I'm, let's throw COVID out for a minute, okay? We'll throw COVID out to make those happy. You know, have still have a golden calf, a Trump on their mantle, their fireplace mantle. We'll throw COVID out. We'll throw the COVID response out. So yeah, that that added to the deficit. Everybody's going to acknowledge that. But even before that, he was adding to the deficit. He wasn't reducing the footprint of government. He could have said, I'm not signing anything unless we abolish the Department of Education, unless we ad- abolish these other the corrupt FBI. Let's disband the corrupt FBI. There's no provisions in the Constitution for a Department of Education or the FBI. There's none. Yeah, you can say, okay, yeah, they make a law, big deal. Fine, but these are, to me, these are entities that are not spelled out in the Constitution. The Constitution spells out four bureaucracies that we should have. So that means the founders spelled those out in uh, on purpose, right? They spelled those out on purpose. So that, to me, means then if we want to add to the bureaucracy, we have to add an amendment to the Constitution to authorize it. It can't just be some uh, some some legislative action. That's a constitutional amendment. And then to throw on top of this, and this really calls into question my uh, understanding or, or feeling that, that Trump is, it really respects the constitution is the whole uh, emotional statement he made to suspend the constitution that, that he demanded we suspend the constitution in res- that he posted on his truth social account on the first drop of, of uh, information from Elon Musk and Twitter showing they had indeed suppressed damaging stories at the behest of the Biden campaign and Democrat party. The, the, that comes out and the first thing he does is suspend the constitution and make me president. That tells me he has no respect for the constitution. And then he walks it back with some weak ass statement. Enough with this guy. Enough. How how much are you guys going to 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 take from him before you hold him accountable? Even worse is is the Republicans and they're taking days to respond to that. I mean that statement from Trump doesn't exactly scream he has respect for the Constitution, and then the slow response from Republicans in denouncing that statement doesn't scream that there's respect from them for the Constitution either. It has to be our national identity in the Constitution above political candidates. There's no one savior of the Constitution because if you leave it to people in power, they are going to trample it. I don't care if it's Trump or anybody else. They will trample it to keep to, to further their own power. What is it that we don't get about that? Now, could these Republicans that were slow to come out and uh, denounce his his statement about suspending the Constitution, could they have been trying to avoid Trump's crosshairs? Sure, but let's be honest. We need to call out the ridiculous rhetoric on the right just as we do on the left. The people on our side need to call it out. Now, you definitely do it different than you do with someone on the left, but you still call it out and say, hey, that's yeah, that's not what we're about as a party. 
Trump needs to be a little conciliatory about his response and walking these statements back. Saying he needs to be more like, yeah, take take a, a responsibility for that. He doesn't do that. He just blames somebody else. Now, let's also be intellectually honest here for a second, and I think we're seeing this now. Trump's influence is, I think, starting to wane a bit, and I think it'll it'll more quickly wane in light of this latest statement. I, I think you're going to see people walking away like, yeah, we're done. I mean, we talked about it before. People are done with the chaos. They want stability. Why did Biden get elected? People wanted some stability. Now, have we had that stability? No, because Biden's a lying, corrupt politician. But that's what people are looking for. So you need a message that says, look, I am a, a, a stable uh, candidate. I do not want chaos. We need to get back on track. We need to heal and unify the country and move forward with that. But Trump is constant chaos all the time and people are tired of it. Now I figured he may have turned the corner on this with the announcement he made at Mar-a-Lago that he was going to run in 2024. But his latest post on truth shows that he's not willing to move his message forward. He's not willing to let go of the election in 2020. If Trump truly is a constitutional conservative, he would have developed a respect for what Mike Pence's role was in certifying the vote in 2020. He would have developed that by now. If he was really in tune with the Constitution and what the founders intended with the Constitution, he would have understand. Now, I'm not saying we have to like the outcome. I'm not saying he had to like the outcome. I'm not saying that there weren't massive irregularities in the 2020 voter data. I covered that a long time ago about all the statistical irregularities. I'm not saying that we shouldn't use that experience to work to secure our elections. I'm not saying we shouldn't demand at our state level that our legislators be continually working to secure our elections. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that you have to have an appreciation for the Constitution and what the founders intended when they wrote the Constitution. We can't just go keep making up rules that 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 because something happened that we don't like. We can't just suspend the Constitution because something happened that we didn't like. What I am saying is it's time to move on from this stolen election narrative. I said it way back in, in 2020 that we need to move on from it after, a, I think it was a show after January 6th, that we need to move on from it and start worrying about 2022 and start strategizing about 2022. And guess what? Here came 2022 and we didn't do it. We didn't let go of the stolen election narrative enough to where we should have more, uh, more solid majority in the House and probably have won the Senate. We, we, we lost the message because Republicans and Trump with the loudest voice just, just kept hammering on that stolen election or, or some, some iteration of that message. And now again, yes, secure the elections. Yes, our elections need to be run better. They are just abhorrent in how they're run at a state level. It's a state-by-state -state issue. You got to get, get, get active in your state and demand that your elections be secured and that your state legislators take steps. 
you know, get rid of this old early voting. Some in some cases, 60, 50, 60 days ahead of the election. That is ridiculous. How long do you need to to administer an election? You should be able to get your ballot in before election day. You know what day election day is. Get your ballot in before then if you're going to do mail-in voting. Fine. Th- this crap of, oh, well, we got to wait for, you know, up to four or five days, whatever it is, for all ballots to come in through the mail. No, get it in uh, on election day. If you can't, if you can't follow, and this is why we have problems as a society, people can't follow simple instructions anymore. What's a deadline? Why have a deadline anymore? Oh, well, you know, if you get your, your ballot in by December 31st, you, you know, we'll still count it. This stupid. Tighten up the elections. So that's not what I'm saying. We should be working towards that. What I am saying is you have to drop this narrative. We have to walk and chew gum at the same time. We got so stuck on 2020 in some cases that we didn't even strategize properly for 2022, and it cost us. Trump's not going to be reinstated as president. It's not going to happen. Drop it. For Trump on down to golden calf Trumpers out there, drop it. He's not going to be reinstated as president. If it didn't happen in the the few weeks after January 6th, where everything was obvious if and people were bringing, uh, bringing lawsuits to court, the courts wouldn't even hear them. So that tells me there was something within that lawsuit that the judges said, yeah, there's nothing here. Now, were, were there fraud prosecutions? Yes. Were there enough to change an election? No. It's, it's ridiculous and it needs to stop. Trump's not going to be reinstated as president. We're not going to be negating a certified election. We're not going to be redoing an election. The founding fathers knew election fraud was going to be an issue. There, it's, we've had election fraud since the dawn of elections. Now, Joe Cunningham notes this part about the founding fathers and, and their view on elections. In his piece, the GOP simply ignoring Trump doesn't work when it comes to his insane suspend the Constitution comments. So at least we've got people on the right calling this out. Good. Be nice if, if the Republicans, uh, the, the politicians, the swampers would, but a little faster. But hey, whatever. Some of them have finally done it. But anyway, Cunningham writes this, says, The very fact that the founders did not, did not, I'll say it again, did not, make provisions for redoing elections tainted by fraud is a strong indicator that they valued the finality of the process over lengthy wrangling over results. The founders knew there was going to be fraud. They knew elections we're going to have some level of fraud in them. It's inevitable. But it was more important to move on and focus on fighting the future battles than rehashing the past. It's more advantageous to say, okay, what happened there? Evaluate, okay, if there's fraud, uncovered, prosecute it, bring it to court, make sure you have your your, uh, evidence tight. But let's move on and strategize on what we got to do to prevent it the next time. And I've given you tons of things to do that can be done to ensure that elections are free and fair that don't include having to rely on legislative bodies passing uh, passing new laws 
to, to, to tighten up elections. There's things that can be done in the interim. Work the polls. Be a poll watcher. Get involved in the election process somehow. I, I, I don't know what else to tell you. And I'm done with it. I'm, I, I've started shutting people down that want to complain about this. I'm, I ask them, look, what are you doing? If you tell me you're not willing to work a poll or, or be a poll watcher, then I, I can't help you. Then you have no right to complain because those are tangible things you can do to ensure elections are free and fair and there's no shenanigans. Now imagine the ease back in the days of the founders with which electoral fraud could be perpetrated. There were no cameras. There's no cell phones pinging off of cell towers to track the location of ballot mules. They certainly didn't want, you know, the founders didn't want voter fraud to occur, but at the same time, they were realists and knew it was going to happen and knew that the elections had to be final and that we had to move on. They felt it more important to finalize the process and move on to the next battles so they didn't put a provision in the Constitution for electoral redos. Now, we do have a process to challenge electoral results, the Electoral College results. That process was being followed on January 6th to challenge the results of the election before the mostly touristy protesters were led into the Capitol by Capitol Police. Let's be honest, the challenges had no chance of in hell of meeting the threshold needed to invalidate the electoral votes from the states being challenged, in part because of the GOP's ineptness at winning elections under Ronna McDaniel and then, you know, having lost the Senate at that time, only having, or excuse me, the House, only having control of the Senate at the time, they had no path to getting the simple majority needed to affirm the objections and nullify the electoral votes in question. That that's just how it is. Winning elections matter. All it would have taken with these challenges is a simple majority of the House and the Senate, once the objections were uh, made and debated, to uphold the the to to uphold the 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 withholding of of electoral votes from a state. That's all it would have taken. But because the GOP is so inept at winning elections under Ronna McDaniel. They had lost the House at that time. They had the Senate. They had lost the House. So they, the, even these objections, the challenges to electoral votes, had no chance in hell of meeting the threshold, the votes, getting the votes needed to overturn those electoral votes from whatever state was brought forth. So the process was followed. We have a process. It was being followed. And then all hell broke loose. And even then, even then, if you're being intellectually honest, it had no chance of, of making it anyway. They weren't going to be overturned. Joe Biden was going to be certified as a president-elect of the United States at that time. The honest truth, constitutionally, and by the process of the law, a process of the law, uh, in allowing the objections, the, the honest truth, Pence had no choice but to affirm the results. At, at the end of the day, like I said, we just outlined it here. Constitution does not provide any provisions for electoral redos for fraud. It doesn't provide any provisions for Pence to not affirm electoral votes from the states after any challenges have been made and heard. 
He had no choice to but, but he had no choice but to affirm the results. It, he had to do it. Now I took heat for putting the call out on the show follow, uh, following the on a show following the 2020 election results that it was time to fix what we can electorally and move ahead to how conservatives win in 2022. I'm a conservative a constitutional conservative first, partisan last. Probably partisan never. I'm a free thinker. Whoever has the best ideas, the conservative ideas that match up the closest with my values, they're the ones getting my vote. I don't care what party they are. I might question if it's a Democrat. I might question why they're a Democrat. But at the end of the day, if it's them, they're getting my vote. If they're constitution first, if they're in favor of shrinking the federal government back and putting it back in its box, box, they're the ones that will get my vote. I don't care about the parties. They're useless to me. They, they're, they're, they're just there to advance their own power. That's their only function at this point. They don't care about the voter. If you think the Republican Party or the Democrat Party cares about you as a voter, you're wrong. They care about corporate money and, and how much money they can raise and how much power and influence they can wield and grow. That, that's what they care about. The election results, no matter how fraudulently attained, were challenged in accordance with what was allowable under federal law. And were affirmed so the country can move on as per the Constitution. Mike Pence, again, had no choice. He was bound by the Constitution to perform his duty as a vice president, as president of the Senate, to affirm the votes after all challenges were heard. That was his role. He played it. He had to do it. And because Trump doesn't understand that, makes me really question whether Trump really cares about the Constitution or not. So I guess me calling for us to abide by those results, me right now calling and saying Pence was right to do what he did, and and really just following the Constitution, I guess if that makes me a rhino, fine. So be it. I'm just fine with that. Call me a rhino. I don't care. Subscriptions are one of the big ways podcasts get discovered. So if you could, please do me a favor. Whatever platform you are listening or viewing on, please hit that subscribe button. It will give you an alert whenever a new Living with Liberty is published. And subscriptions help us get into the recommendations so others can find the show. All right, finishing up today, Voldemort or Voldemir or whatever his name is over there and running Ukraine into the ground has been named Time Person of the Year. Great. Every chance these media pricks get to virtue signal, they do. It's was it, was there, honestly, was there going to be any question on who it was going to be? Probably not. Now, time says this isn't awarded as an honor, but to someone who's influenced world events. So if it's not an honor, why do it then? Right, this is just trying to backpedal and say, well, yeah, it's trying to play both sides of the fence. Yeah, we know Zelensky's kind of shady, um, but we've got a virtue signal about Ukraine because our Democrat overlords told us Russia's bad, they're invading Ukraine, Russia's bad, Ukraine good, so we're going to say, okay, uh, Zelensky, you can be our, our time person of the year. So, again, why? if it's not an honor, why bother even having it, right? It's someone who's influenced world events. Okay, so let's look at what old Volda, whoever here in Ukraine is influenced. About, what, only, about the only influ- event he's influenced is the U.S. government continuing to send him money and weaponry. That's really the biggest influence he's had on world events, continuing to fleece the U.S. government and our dummy politicians. Oh, wait, there's more. Uh, He's influenced 
protecting the world's laundromat. So that's been been in, uh, very influential in that, protecting Ukraine, um, laundromat of the world here. Oh, uh, you know what? There's one more. Uh, he shut down oppo- opposing political parties and attacked Christians in Ukraine. So there's that. He's outlawed opposing political parties. And I uh, just saw this past week, basically he's attacking Christians and trying to get rid of Christianity in Ukraine. Uh, so there's that. Oh, and I suppose he's acted as fodder. So the U.S. has a reason to get into a war with Russia, perpetuating that narrative. So there's that too. He's had influence over that too. You know what? Give me a break. This this person of the year, this is crap. Absolute crap. This corruptocrat has put his people in danger, has gotten civilians killed, has maybe thrown missiles over into Poland uh, to, and tried to blame Russia for it to try and draw NATO into his little conflict. I, I've, I, someone, if you know out there, if that's been confirmed or, or denied, let me know. The, the last I know of it is it looked like it was still under, under investigation. Now I realize this is a long time ago. I haven't kept up on it. Um, you know, as much as maybe I should have, but the last I know is it, Kind of looked like they were Ukrainian missiles that got lobbed over into uh, into Poland, trying to draw NATO into the the conflict, and uh, by proxy the United States, and he's thrown mer- various markets into chaos. So, yeah, this I mean, this guy he's influenced the world, sure, uh, to the very detriment of the world. He's influenced it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not absolving Putin of anything here. That guy's just as despotic as Zelensky. Let, let's be real. Uh, I mean, Putin is a is a dictator. He's a despotic dictator. We know about how he's offed people over the years. So I'm not absolving him of anything. Should he have invaded Ukraine? No. Why did he do it? Because he knew the United States was weak. There's no way in hell he does that if Trump's president or any other uh, anybody stronger than Biden, let's put it. I don't even think, it, let's go back to Obama. I don't even think he invades if it's Obama. He might, but so, someone stronger than Biden, he would he would have rattled sabers and that would have been about it. Now, as things have rolled on, there's certainly could have been a swift and peaceful end to this whole conflict between Ukraine and Russia, but you know what? That's not what anyone wanted. It's not what anyone outside, uh, you know, of, of the citizens of those countries wanted. Why? Because the Russian invasion of Ukraine became the perfect crisis to rekindle the Russia is bad narrative. Again, not, I'm not saying that Putin's a good guy by any means. He's not. Uh, but Zelensky is just as bad. Okay, let's be honest. And this this whole not getting a getting them to the table and negotiating a, a a swift and peaceful end to this conflict it, there's a reason for it and it's to rekindle and perpetuate this Russia is bad narrative it gave the democrats and their media sycophants a villain to go after in their minds it gave them a reason to justify all their screaming about Russia for the last 6 years Time naming Zelensky person of the year helps perpetuate that narrative because it's just symbiotic relationship between the media and the Democrat Party and actually the warmongers, because there's probably just as many warmongering Republicans that want this, looking at you, Lindsey Graham. 
it gave it gave time time gave them this outlet to try and perpetuate or, or sorry generate a perpetual sympathy for Volodymyr Zelensky. That's what this is about. So we go into 2023 still feeling bad about Zelensky, uh, bad for Zelensky. And we should feel bad for the Ukrainian people. They are caught in the middle of this and it's awful. They did not deserve this at all. But it's just trying to, to keep this sympathy alive for Ukraine and keep the story going and keep us distracted and to, to, to have some way to say, see, Russia's still bad. That, that's what this is. Time is trying to make Zelensky some sort of hero. And uh, just listen to this statement by uh, Edward Felsenthal, editor-in-chief of Time. He says this, Time magazine has named Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian leader whose attempt to fight off Russia's invasion of his country has won uh, worldwide acclaim as its person of the year alongside the spirit of Ukraine. Whether the battle for Ukraine fills one with hope or fear, Volodymyr Zelensky galvanized the world in a way we haven't seen in decades. What a joke. What a joke. If, if you don't see that this is propaganda, I, I don't, how are you still breathing? How do you breathe without being told to breathe if you don't see that this is just straight up propaganda? Ukraine's galvanized the world, really? I, I've said we don't belong there. We shouldn't be doing anything there. It's their fight. If anything, we should have been trying to help the Ukrainian people by negotiating, uh, getting being a leader on the world stage, being a leader, let's put it, and getting Putin and Zelensky together to negotiate a swift and peaceful end to this. Galvanize the world. You know what? I don't, I can't take this propaganda anymore. Volodymyr Zelensky is a corrupt grifter doing the bidding of American warmongers and, you know, within the Uniparty to keep the laundromat open and to provoke Russia to attack a NATO country so NATO and the United States has a reason to get into the, this conflict. That, that's what Zelensky's doing here. He's doing the bidding of the warmongers. Time magazine naming him person of the year only served to continue the narrative to tr- continue to perpetuate it. They want to paint Zelensky as some sort of world hero. So we, the people will be more agreeable in sending more of our treasure and troops to fight a war. We have no business being involved in That's what this is about. We want to paint this guy as some sort of hero. He's not, he's a corrupt grifter. This is a propaganda machine at work. Again, if you can't see it, I ask why, why are you breathing without being told? I mean, this is so blatant and in your face. Our senses should be going off at this point that we are being set up for something bigger here with this. And it wouldn't surprise me in 2023 if we see something bigger on the Russia-Ukraine front. We're being set up for it. They're priming us now. That is all we get from the media now. Priming us for for kind of these next manufactured crises. We got to wake up. We got to stand up. We got to tell our, our elected leaders no more. Send no more money over to Zelensky. Period. End of story. And you tell them to put pressure on Biden to get those two, Putin and Zelensky, to the table to negotiate an end to this. Now, before I go, don't forget to tune in live to Rucksack Radio on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central for Laughs and Liberty with Tom and me. 
coming up the 20th, we'll have a, a special edition of kind of Laughs and Liberty, uh, where it'll be shorter on the front end. And then we're going to go into what we're calling the Rucksack Roundtable, where we have uh, Brian Wicks and Gadsden, uh, both uh, both on Parlor. So if you're on Parlor, you'll know them from Parlor. Parlor uh, joining Tom and I for uh, a roundtable. We'll have a few di- uh, few topics we're going to discuss in depth between the four of us. Uh, so it should be a good time. I'm really looking forward to it. So that'll be also uh, on Tuesday. So Tom and I on the 20th of December that'll start. So Tom and I will do our normal thing from 7 to 7.45 or so, and then starting at 8 o'clock, we'll move into the uh, Rucksack Roundtable. So you can catch that live on Riverside FM, Rumble, YouTube, or Twitch. Uh, as a, In all instances, we'll have the chats going, so we'd love to engage with you all in the chats and hope to see you out there. Now, before signing off for the day, I want to let you know that we'll do a show next week And then we'll take the rest of the year off for the holidays. I'm deeply grateful for all of you out there listening to the show weekly, sharing it with friends, commenting on posts when I post the show out there, sending messages, um, just feedback. I love it. I'm grateful for all you that listen. I'm grateful for you sharing it with friends, family, neighbors, whoever. It helps us spread the truth. So thank you, and I hope you all have Uh, a great holiday season. Again, one more show next week, and then we'll take a couple weeks off through the end of the year. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past show, my original articles, as well as original resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters, Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. (laughs) 